0: During the Easter Vigil, we recall all the work that God has done throughout history to save his chosen people. In this particular Mass, we heard three especially important readings from the Old Testament. And the Old Testament, remember, contains all of the work that God did prior to the life of Jesus of Nazareth. It is the history of God's relationship with the Jewish people. But even though these stories are about God's relationship with the Jewish people, these stories from the Old Testament are still very important for Christians. They're important for us as Catholics because these stories prefigure the works that God performed through His Son, Jesus. And so if we understand these stories, they will help us understand the life and the works of Christ even better. And not only that, but they will also help us to make sense of our own lives. They'll help us make sense of some of the challenges and struggles that we face even after we receive baptism. And so in the first reading from the book of Genesis, we heard what is really a very chilling story about a man named Abraham. Abraham was a very holy man, and God made him a promise. Specifically, he told Abraham that he was going to have a son. But the problem was that Abraham was very old. He was a very old man and still didn't even have one son. So finally, after some twists and turns, God blessed Abraham and his wife Sarah with a son named Isaac. And Abraham loved Isaac as any good father loves their children. But then in a stunning and somewhat horrifying twist, God asks Abraham to do the unthinkable. God tells Abraham that he must offer his son as a sacrifice. God asks Abraham to offer his only son, the son that he loved so much, the son that was supposed to fulfill the promise that God had made to him. So Abraham, of course, had a choice to make. He had to decide if he was going to obey God and offer his son, or if he was going to disobey God. Abraham, as we heard in the story, chose to obey. He built an altar. He placed wood on it, and he tied his son Isaac to the wood. And then he took out his knife, raised it above his head, and just at the moment... Just at the moment when he was about to sacrifice his son, the angel spoke to him. He said, Abraham, don't lay hands on him. Don't lay hands on him. The Lord has seen your faith. So Isaac's life was spared that day. And even though the story ends on that note, and even though Isaac's life was spared... Many men and women that I know still cannot bear this story. In fact, a friend of mine from college, he actually uses this story of Abraham as evidence that God is not good. He finds the thought of a man sacrificing his only son to be absolutely horrifying, and a good God would never do that. And I struggled, in college, to answer his objection. And I struggled to answer his objection until I realized that on some level, that is exactly what we're supposed to feel when we hear this story. We're supposed to find this story a bit horrifying. We are supposed to feel terrible For Abraham, we're supposed to feel his sadness at the very thought of him sacrificing his only son. Abraham felt that way. We're supposed to feel that along with him. And as we hear this story, we're also supposed to grapple with a couple questions. Why would God ask this of Abraham? How could a good and loving God ask Abraham to do something so awful? Well, the reason really only makes sense, to me anyway, in light of the life of Christ. All right, God orchestrated these events so that we could understand what was going on in the mind of the Father as His only begotten Son, Jesus, was offered up as a sacrifice. All right, God orchestrated these events to prepare His people to understand the sacrifice that the Father and the Son would make on our behalf. All right, just as Abraham prepared to sacrifice his son, Isaac, God, our Father in heaven, offered his only son as a sacrifice. And just as we sympathize with Abraham and think of how difficult it must have been for him to offer his son as a sacrifice, so we understand perhaps a little bit of what was going on in the mind of God as his only begotten son, was sacrificed on the cross. God, who loved His Son Jesus perfectly, allowed His Son to be crucified. And Jesus was obedient to this plan. He was obedient to the Father's will. He accepted it. Why would God allow His Son, whom He loved, to undergo this awful, trial. Well, believe it or not, the reason is to reveal to us of how deeply each and every one of us is loved by God. By sending his son into the world to be crucified, Jesus actually entered into the worst experiences that our humanity has to endure, and we reflected on this in depth on Good Friday, just last night. On the cross, Jesus experienced physical pain. He also experienced the sadness of being betrayed and abandoned by his friends. He even experienced a sense that God had turned his back on him. Jesus experienced every bit of the loneliness and isolation that we sometimes feel in our own lives. And believe it or not, this is a revelation of divine love. All right, God's love for each and every one of us is stronger than all of these horrible things that life throws at us. All right, God came into the world, took on human flesh, because he would rather be close to us and experience these trials himself than remain far away from us. God loves us so much that he never abandons us. Even if we try to abandon him, God never leaves. He walks with us all the way Even to death. And on this night, as we heard proclaimed in the Easter proclamation and again in the gospel, as well as the epistle from St. Paul, we call to mind that God's love is even stronger than death itself. Three days after Jesus endured the torments of the cross, we hear the story of Mary Magdalene and the disciples discovering an empty tomb. An angel came to them and told them the unimaginable. The angel said that Jesus had been raised from the dead. And then they saw with their own eyes Jesus walking around. He even spoke to them. God the Father glorified Jesus by raising him from the dead. God the Father glorified Jesus because of his obedience to God's plan. And St. Paul explains that this glory that Jesus experienced by being raised, it's not only for Jesus, it's also for us. God loves us so much that He's not only willing to enter into our sadness and endure our trials right alongside of us. He also desires to share with us His glory. As St. Paul said, we are indeed buried with Him through baptism into death, so that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too are. Might live in newness of life. And of course, this applies tonight literally to our catechumens who will be receiving baptism, confirmation, and Eucharist tonight for the first time. Kyle, Melinda, Justice, Riley True, and Evan. St. Paul's words are for you. St. Paul's words are for you. He says, from now on, you too must think of yourselves as being dead to sin and living for God in Christ Jesus. All right, God has chosen you for this way of life. We joked about it this morning. All right, you guys were drafted. All right, it's like the NFL draft. God called your name. He called your name. And has called you forward. He wants you on His team. He wants you and your gifts building His kingdom. At the moment of your baptism, God is going to glorify you. All right when Jesus was baptized, he, he heard the words from heaven, "This is my beloved son with whom I am well pleased." And at the moment of your baptism, God is going to say those same words to each of you. He's going to say, "This is my beloved child, this is my beloved son, this is my beloved daughter, with whom I am well pleased." At the moment of your baptism, just as Jesus was raised from the dead, God is going to raise you by pouring his own life into you, just like the Lord spoke through the prophet Ezekiel. Through Ezekiel, it's the third reading that we heard, the Lord said, I will sprinkle clean water upon you to cleanse you from all your impurities, and from all your idols I will cleanse you. All of those things that you've been using throughout your life for comfort and security. God wants to take all of those away and give you Himself. He continues through Ezekiel, I will give you a new heart and place a new spirit within you, taking from your bodies your stony hearts and giving you natural hearts. He says, I will put my spirit within you and make you live by my statutes, careful to observe my decrees. This newness of life, this new life that God is bestowing upon you, it's not always easy. All right? Those of you who are married might understand this. The day of your wedding. Perhaps a particularly easy day to live marriage. But as marriage goes along, there's trials. There's challenges. It's the same thing with baptism. Tonight might be the easiest day to ever be a Christian, to ever be a disciple of Jesus, to ever be a Catholic. It'll be the easiest day. There are going to be trials. And sometimes you're going to be tempted to act like the Israelites after Moses led them from slavery by leading them through the Red Sea. We heard that in the second reading. All right, after this stunning event where the Israelites went through the Red Sea and God freed them from Israel, they did not enter directly into the Promised Land, they found themselves in a desert wandering around for 40 long years. They looked over their shoulders and wondered if they had it better as slaves. They asked themselves, should we really trust what God is doing? You might feel this way as well sometimes. You might say to yourselves, I wonder if I'd been better off if I had never signed on to this new way of life. And if we try to live our faith alone, there's no doubt, there's no doubt that every single person here, newly baptized and those who've been baptized a long time ago, there's no doubt that we'll turn back. This faith cannot be lived alone. That's why God calls us together to be the church. We need the support and prayers from other people to live this life. And so we're here tonight as a church to celebrate with you, the elect, to celebrate with you today and to tell you that you're not crazy. This way of life truly is worth it. But we're also here to help encourage you not to turn back, but to stay the course so that one day you will enter with all of the saints into the fullness of God's glory in his heavenly kingdom.